Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode six, if you can believe it, of Time to Shine. We are here to take you on a journey back through the Shining Time universe. My name is Adrian. I'm known as Northern Star on Twitter, and I have my faithful uh, co-host Mike here with me. Hello, everyone. It is Mike, a.k.a. The Buried Truck, back again for some more Shining Time magic. (laughs) Oh, yes. The magic never ends. (laughs) (laughs) Just to give a recap for our listeners, um, if you are just stumbling upon the podcast now, but basically what Mike and I did for the first five apps is we went uh, and did an overview of the first of all the three seasons of Shining Time. Um, We had a peek at some of the specials, and now we're looping back around to season one, Starting back at the beginning, um, not right at the beginning, because we already did episode one. So for those of you who haven't um, seen or rather listened to that, head on back to episode one uh, and we review um, a place unlike any other there. Uh, And for today, we are going to start with episode two, Does It Bite? Yes, indeed. Now, Mike, could you give a little summary for us of this lovely little episode? I certainly can, and uh, you know, it's it's actually a rather big episode, Adrian. There's a lot that goes on here. Uh, you are we... absolutely right. Correction. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> a great way to uh, to you know follow up on the the massive introduction that was a place like any other. We get some more yes. introductions here. Uh, so the plot summary of Does It Bite? We open up with a shot of Mister Conductor. Uh, in quite a tizzy over what he thinks is a a bogus train schedule that has been provided to the station. And uh, he magics himself away after a little spat with Stacy. Stacy hardly has time to digest what he's told her before she gets a little tap on the shoulder. And who should be there but a well-dressed man with perfect hair, you know, just perfect threads. It's our dear friend, <laughs> schemer this is the debut of horace schemer and boy does he come in with a start (laughs) uh we find out it is he who is behind the bogus train schedules in a bid to get more people to spend money and time in his arcade uh while trying to find mr conductor to apologize matt (laughs) steps foot into harry's workshop and it's here that we discover Matt's a little afraid of Harry, and Harry can be a bit imposing sometimes, so can't say that I entirely blame him for that. But uh, running out of the workshop, Matt runs into Tanya. They start to sort of poke fun at each other over their fears. Tanya saying that Matt's scared of her grandpa. Matt teasing Tanya for being scared over the idea of Mr. Conductor. uh, Only for her to quickly get over that fear after eavesdropping on a lovely classic Thomas story that Mr. Conductor tells to Stacy and Matt. Uh, after that, we get some more shenanigans. Schemer meets the kids. Uh, he has a little bit of a spat with the jukebox band over a nickel and no song being played. And we get a lovely <laughs> little conclusion of Matt and Harry making up when Matt once again goes into the workshop and Harry tells him about the first time that he was scared when he went to see a steam engine in person. Uh, yes. We get another little lovely story from Mr. Conductor. And following this, Schemer makes an attempt to uh, fix his jukebox, and the band finally decides to play a song uh, after Schemer decides that this place is haunted and that he doesn't want to bring any new machines in. Uh, So quite a lot going on here. Yes, 
And it starts a lovely theme of the whole haunted. It really does. Uh, it, it, it kicks it station. off. <laughs> it kicks it off. And it that theme pervades throughout the entire series. So that's, it's exciting. I, <clears throat> I always find, you know, second and third episodes of a new show exciting because you get to see, you get to see everyone kind of hitting their stride. Um, all the characters and the routines and yeah, that's, I think that was something that struck me was, you know, when I was looking back on this, um, do you have any particular standout, you know, memories or impressions from this? I know you came to this a bit later in life, this yeah. first season. I mean, yeah, it wasn't until a few years ago, basically, that I saw most of episode or uh, season one, I should say. Uh, and it's just, it's so cool because, you know, my whole childhood watching Shining Time Station, I just knew that Schemer was there. He didn't really need an introduction, per se. Right. So to actually see the episode that is the legitimate introduction of schemer to the series it's yeah. something and they you know they set him up uh i i would say that compared to later episodes he's definitely more subdued in this one uh but yes, you absolutely. still get there's still so much of that classic you know schemer humor that comes in and you know i, I really love when yeah. he's uh he's telling the kids to get out of the arcade and he's just just spewing all this rapid fire stuff at them. It's like, oh yeah, that's that's the Brian charm that we've been that we've been waiting for for this series, right? And at the end, when he's like, "Out, oh, O-U-T. <laughs> it's great. And, and you know, and the, it's the Bon Voyage, Mister <laughs> Jefferson, as he puts the nickel into the jukebox. <laughs> Things that I did not understand as a kid. Part two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting. He is more subdued, and he has his theme, his season one theme playing which didn't come back i don't think in any other seasons and it's sort of like a bit like a sleazy car salesman like but i'm a little like it's kind of got this you know and then i think as schemer progresses he gets a bit more brash and you know comes into his own but you can see early on i think that brian is right for the role because he has these little isms and things that he interjects that are very very funny Oh yeah, he absolutely hit the ground running with the role of schemer. Like there, yeah. there was no, uh, there definitely weren't any growing pains or, you know, any yeah. things that you notice throughout the series where it's like, oh yeah, he's still kind of getting into the character. Like no, he yeah. was on from the start. <laughs> well, yeah, and he came up with the curl and the outfit. I mean, you know, he he I th- believe you know raided his dad's his dad's closet for uh, clothes, suits, and stuff, and got the idea of the curl and did that from day one. So it's clear that this character is a part of him in some way. And that's neat to see it. Similarly, same as you, I saw Schemer in season two and then loop back around to season one. And I was like, oh, oh, interesting. Um, I love his long lease too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Quite literally a long lease. (laughs) It's it's so long. (laughs) You just get those little jabs that are so good. I also love... I something I noticed too when I was looking back. I love Mr. C just kind of starting the episode on Stacy's desk. Yes. Um at the beginning and just with the pencil and I there's something familiar and kind of neat about that. And then the interestingly the next episode we're going to review has a similar start as well with Mr. C on the desk. Um and uh yeah, I I like that. Yeah, I like that too, and I think it's it's neat that uh, you know rather than the conflict starting right away between say the kids or 
you know, starting it off with Schemer and Stacy, rather. Uh, yeah. it, it's interesting that the first sort of conflict of the episode is between Stacy and Mr. Conductor, who, I, you know, they didn't actually directly interact in the first episode. So the fact that their very first on-screen interaction is sort of this bickering, it's not like a like an intense bickering, it's more like a familial bickering, in a way. Between Stacy and Mr. C? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. It it I think it always surprised me a little bit because we see a bit more of Stacy's brashness um in the first couple episodes. And I, I think when it escalated to a conflict as a kid, I was like, oh, like, give me that pencil. Uh but that was was that this episode or the next one? Maybe I'm Yeah, no, that was that was this one, yeah, when he's trying okay, to make good. corrections. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I also love how um we also see Stacy and Schemer's dynamic right away. We have Stacy getting mad at him and chasing him around the info booth. It already sets up the sort of like, oh, Schemer, uh, playful, you know, banter between the two of them. Yeah, 100%. I think they lean into it more later, but uh, yeah, it sets up a lot. And also, um, I was thinking of Mr. C, and and you get more rhyming in this episode. There's those little kind of couplets. And, yeah, very whimsical. Uh, yeah, and playful. And I think Ringo is great with that. I think he has a lot of fun with it. It seemed natural. This is the thing that I really like about Ringo as Mr. Conductor as well, is because like they, they make him do these whimsical things, but at the same time he has you know, he has this sort of bite to him as well. Like with the intro when he's talking with Stacy, you know, that's not really something that you see with uh with George as Mr. Conductor. You know, if you think yeah. about I mean, you know, this is obviously much farther down the road for us but if you think about an episode like stacy says no for example um you know in that one mr conductor kind of allows her to sort of walk all over him when she's being authoritative but you know you got to think like i wonder how that would have played out if it was ringo as mr conductor like i feel like they would have written it as he wouldn't be afraid to stand up to for himself or for what's right like he does here yeah it's a good point it's a good point and I, I also enjoy to Ringo's crying yes. when he's introducing the Thomas stories. Like, it's a very sad story. Oh, oh. I, he's obviously kind of doing fake crying. And it's really, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's fun to watch, um, even though I, I find those Thomas stories difficult to rewatch or I found them difficult to rewatch as a kid. Yeah. Because they weren't super action heavy. But Mr. C's reactions and his sort of like, do you ever wear green with red stripes, Tanya? <laughs> and she's like, no, well, Henry ever got out of the tunnel? It's just so random. Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I got to say, I really love, too, the little touch that rather than blowing his whistle to start the stories, it's it's the fact that Ringo starts crying because they're sadder stories than what we saw yes. in the last episode. <laughs> so it's like he has yeah, to cry to get them kick-started. <laughs> but I must warn you, it's a very sad story. Oh. And it's really, uh, we don't see a lot of examples where he, uh, I think George Carlin's Mr. C always blows his whistle, but Ringo does different things. Like there's one where he, he blows bubbles into a a bucket Mm -hmm. later on, I think, to start a story um, or something. There's, yeah, there's different, he he experiments with different ways. And this is one of them, him like crying and blowing into a snot ray. (laughs) Yeah. And then just in terms of di- uh, dynamics as well, um, I noticed that ju- the jukebox ban and schemer, that whole dynamic is also set up. 
with you know schemer being like where's my song where's my money yeah uh and his you know i love the little tools that he has the saw and the hammer the plastic saw yeah <laughs> at the end he's like saw 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 click 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 I, I like that they went very out of their way to obviously show that they were like kids tools that weren't gonna do anything <laughs> like just to show how enormously ineffectual he is yeah um <laughs> It's so good. Uh, I want my money back. So, I'm going to take the machine apart piece by piece. Then I will get my nickel back. Look, man, will you give him back his nickel so he'll finally leave us alone? Oh, all right, baby. Goodbye, my almost mint condition nickel. Till we meet again. It's it's great. It's great. Um, I have to say, and, too, I think, yeah. you know, what would have I, I obviously didn't freak me out as an adult, but I feel like yeah. the uh, the scene where schemers trying to crack open the jukebox and like look inside and then you see yeah. from the band's perspective, you can just see his eye kind of like moving between the, the planks of wood. A little disturbing. I feel like that would have definitely freaked me out a little bit as a kid. <laughs> it's just such Maybe a weird shot, you know? <laughs> If you have been traumatized as a child <laughs> by this segment, please come forth in the comments and we will offer you some support. Please call yeah, the Time a, to Shine helpline. We will help you recover from your schemer trauma. It's a it's a pretty extreme close-up. And people don't like eyes, generally, no, usually. Or no, like people no, no. touching eyes. So that's a good point. Um, that's a really good point. What else did you notice kind of off the bat um, when you watched this? Oh man. Uh one thing I noticed is you can you can definitely tell that this may have been I mean, I'm assuming they wrote kind of in production order of what the season would have been like, but um it's interesting how we're so early on in the series that some of the station names aren't totally finalized. Like I think yes. when Mr. C is talking about, you know, how long it's taken to get to each station, he says yep. Doodle Town. Well, it's very, very oh, quickly on. Oh, he does on. say Doodletown to Turley, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, it's not that far further into the season, I don't think, where it becomes Doodlehaven. So it's it's interesting to see mm-hmm. those relics of, like, this is how early they must have written this episode. Yeah. Because, you know, the names aren't even finalized yet. And they literally made the sign for the next episode yeah that's the right arrivals departure sport so that's when they would have had to officially finalize the first season's name so very very strange that's a really eh? good point you just see you just see the everything's on the fly in television you know and oh yeah somebody in the prop department is is whipping this up um you know quite quickly um now that i, I for those who aren't aware i found a few of the original name pieces used on the season one board and they were vinyl stickers onto painted MDF, basically. So somebody's like vinyl stickering these names out. <laughs> they would have had to give them a, a, a finalized list. So it's, yeah, good catch. Yeah, and I guess it, that's right, because the schedule board is in the next episode. So that's a really quick turnaround. Huh. It's a very quick turnaround. Yeah, yeah. that's that's interesting. Um, I mean, they, they could still technically change some of the names, but it would have been, yeah. True. A little bit of hassle. Um, yeah, very true. Very true. I, I also enjoy too how in this episode we get to see Harry telling his train stories because, and I have to give a lot of credit to uh, Leonard Jackson here. He has a very engaging way of telling stories, and it wrapped me in as a kid when he starts because I know <laughs> Matt's terrified of him, and honestly, I would be too. 
<laughs> he's very he's very intense like even as a kid i was like oh and matt looks so genuinely scared yeah he can I'm be like, a very very imposing figure at times <laughs> even when he's like there's the door like he's not particularly kind either yeah yeah uh, but when he starts telling the story and and shares a bit of his vulnerability and being scared and then the music comes in and mm-hmm. some of the segments and then he's like i was hooked i knew and you know it it warms my heart yeah i agree and and you know what i'm gonna be a bit of a broken record from what i said when we last talked about season one but i just i really love the character of harry because they can sort of flip-flop between those two different sides of you know you start off seeing him and he's he's a bit of a hardened man and you know he Hmm. he's kind of no nonsense he's here to do his railroad work he doesn't have time for the games or at first he doesn't have time for, you know, believing that Mr. Conductor is a real thing like the kids yes. seem to keep telling him. Uh, but then you yes. get this this flip later in the episode where you realize that he's he's actually a very kind man. He's very soft and and you're right on the mark there. Like there's something about when he tells the stories in season one. It's just so captivating. Like he's got such a good storytelling voice you know yeah he does and i i remember nicole leach who plays tanya saying that in an interview that she remembers him telling his train stories with great care and i thought that was a great description because he does he tells them with great care and a lot of heart and personality um and also i think it's nice because we see another theme kind of woven in there too of you know not to quote a Thomas song, but a sort of don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. We get to see, we see Harry's sort of gruff, uh, grumpy grandpa side. And then we also see his whimsical, uh, more, you know, vulnerable sharing side as well, which is kind of cool. And I appreciate that the gruff side doesn't entirely go away after this episode. Oh, like sure. it could have been very easy for them to just be like, okay, he's shown that yeah. he's softer. Let's, let's ride that right to the end of the season but no you definitely have not seen the last of gruff grumpy harry (laughs) you have not (laughs) and so recently i just wanted to share that i've acquired all the shining time station scripts so several like the first and second drafts of all the episodes and i'm going through them i'm going to scan them and make them available um but i went through a document that was um incorporating thomas stories very early on looking at the themes and then coming up with episode ideas and one person suggested for the come out Henry stories, the rainy, like something like um, uh, uh, rain, rain, go away. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the songs they sing. And then they like do crafts together. And there's a way that I look at that and I'm like, okay, well, it's just kind of lazy and sloppy. It's, it's a very much a first sort of like somebody taking a crack at it, but not being a good writer. Right. And I think, oh man, the show could have been so saccharine and oh, yeah. so... You know, it makes me think a little bit of <laughs> I'm a fan of The Sound of Music. And I know Julie Andrews went and saw The Sound of Music on Broadway with Mary Martin. And it was so sappy and kind of overdone. Mm-hmm. And she hated it. She, she hated it so much that she parodied it, parodied it with uh, with Carol. Was it Carol Burnett? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, before she did the film. And I, again, I, I, it makes me think of that. Like, if again, if they just made oh okay well harry you know he's friendly now and he's you know he's all warm and fuzzy we need the contrast definitely uh and and i think the show does that well because it could have been too it could have been way too cheesy and yeah, i don't think it would have been as successful they wrote a very uh, a very fine line with it too and and you can tell that you know they they clearly had enough know-how to you know bring back the grumpy side of him because it it does work 
extremely well in the other episodes that it kind of gets featured in. Definitely. And again, credit to the writers. They're strong writers, especially Brian McConaughey, yes. who wrote a lot of the uh, or a lot of the episodes. And I can see in reading the writing, I was like, oh, you can hear him coming up with Mr. C's voice in the rhyming and, and, and setting the tone for the show. And so I think that's their gift of creating that childlike world. Yeah, absolutely. I, I major credit goes to Brian who, who did in fact write this episode and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they really, it, it's funny when you can look at those first drafts or initial ideas and see, you know, like you said, it could have turned out very saccharine and may not have had the same impact that shining time station ended up having when it first came out. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, so we're going to get into a bit more of the nitty gritty of the episode. I, I wanted to ask you, Mike, what do you think of the Thomas stories? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's funny because if you've been, if anyone's been following along with our <laughs> initial batch of episodes, you'll know that in season three, uh, Adrian had chosen to review the mysterious stranger episode, <laughs> which features the exact same ones. Uh, so our Thomas stories this time around are the sad story of Henry or come out Henry for the North American audiences and Edward Gordon and Henry or Henry to the rescue. Uh, and I got to say, I feel like I think they work better in this setting. I, I think agree. this episode does a better job of maybe incorporating it into the moral of the episode. Cause you know, I, I guess both episodes are about fears in a way, but I, I don't know. It just it, it feels like Mysterious Stranger had sort of a more spooky edge to it. Yeah. Whereas with this one, you know, the fears aren't as big. They yes. aren't as mysterious or dark. They're very simple fears. And I and I think with the simplicity of the Thomas episodes from series one, it, it just feels like a more natural marriage of the two in my eyes. Yes. Yeah. In Mysterious Stranger, it feels a bit shoehorned in. Uh, whereas this really has good lead-ins. And I think it's a really good example of how to incorporate the Thomas stories with the morals of that episode that the characters are facing. Um, so even though, like I said, I, they're, I love the stories kind of on their own and stuff, but seeing them again, I'm like, okay, I've seen the sad story of Henry as a kid. I'm like, there's not a lot of action. He's sitting in the tunnel. He leaves the tunnel. Um, even though, again, sorry, I love the stories. <laughs> but uh, But it does fit better. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And yes, they are classic stories for sure. But, you know, as we kind of said at this point, we're so used to them that you kind of feel like you can just, you know, skip past them. You know what happens, but you do. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I will say I'm a bit of a sucker for the stop motion uh, when they're building the uh, building the wall in the tunnel. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's such a great segment and such great music. Yeah. (laughs) So I enjoy that. And I do. I like the second part better in general. Um, cause it's a, it's a, I find it a bit more complex. Yeah. They took up the old rails and built a wall in front of Henry so that other engines wouldn't bump into him. Yeah, I, I agree. I do like the, uh, the adaptation of of the second story much better I, I you know it's it's great to see you know victorious stories and uh you know anything where where edward makes an appearance or oh eddie you know, it, anything with anything with gordon getting his comeuppance is is generally a yes. winner in my book so <laughs> and and they're a nice they're a nice trio sometimes and in this it's a really nice and it's a really nice trio episode i think 
And it's a shame that you don't see the trio as much after these episodes. That's true. You don't. This is this is really the first time that you kind of get it, because then, of course, you got to factor in that, you know, pretty soon we're going to have James entering the main cast. So Edward kind of gets mm-hmm. pushed aside in favor of the big three that we are more familiar with. Sorry, Edward. Oh, sorry. You. You'll have your time, Edward. We love you. You will. You will. You won't get sent for scrap. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, just in regards to the um, Flying Saucer song yes. that we are treated to. So this is the intro of the Flying Saucer Dude, who I'm a big fan of. Oh, I, I think love him. it's great stop motion with him and his kitchen appliance, kitchen utensil friends. <laughs> and this song is called Don't Be Afraid, and it is catchy as heck, I think. It, it sure is, is. It has got that like 80s, like, you know, and I really love it. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's so 80s, but I love it so much. It's so good. And it's got almost like a hint of, um, Ska. It makes me think of Ska a little bit, or like that yeah, kind of vibe. Yeah, it does have some Ska inflections. I'll, I'll give it that. <laughs> a little bit a little bit of It's, it's great. And I think a neat intro uh, to things that will become staples throughout at least that the flying saucer dude is throughout the first season. Correct. Yeah. There's definitely, I can't remember how many appearances, but it, it yeah. that sort of, I mean, Hey, you want to talk stop motion? This is a great example of it. Yes. Uh, yeah. This, this animation, uh, this theme of the, the flying saucer guy, this will show up many times in series one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this song in particular written by Steve Horlick, who we know as, uh, a composer for Shining Time wrote many songs that were featured throughout the series, go, and Steve. vocals uh, performed by Eric Troyer, who does a bang up job. I gotta say, really, really helps with the catchy factor of this. What's one. What's he known for? You know, that's a great question. I don't actually know. Um, Me I wonder if he. I, I can't imagine he he didn't sing on anything else, but uh, probably did. This was, I think, his number one hit um <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> it's a it's a good song uh and yeah it's it's enjoyable to see more 
more variety in the segments and i think sometimes we jump into these flying saucer segments through either the anything tunnel or the picture machine it can vary mm-hmm. i believe yeah it tends to switch up from time to yeah. time this one i think is in the picture machine um and then what do you think of our camp town races song by the jukebox band this Thanks. calls for something special let's make music toe tapping finger snapping happy time music i want a two, a three. You know, it it's not my favorite jukebox song, but I Never. do have to. You know what I really love is just the stank that Jonathan Freeman puts on it with Tito's voice. The Did you just say do-da, do-da, like that's, it's like a very like laid back, like not on the beat kind of singing. Like he just, he throws some sauce on it. You know, it's great. He does. And he did his own vocals. And then you he got the boy, the boy brothers in the back going, oh, the do-da day. <laughs> it's quite enjoyable i find it really is they had a lot of fun with like experimenting with the vocals and stuff in the series one songs eh? yeah they did and even though it's not again i wrote the same thing i'm like this is not my favorite song but it's fun it's fun yeah it's a fun little way to end it off and you know it's a good wrap to the episode i would say the bobtails thing over his So I brought some trivia along. I'm sure you have some as well, Mike. Lay it uh, on us, my friend. I'm sure you've got the juicier trivia. Well, I have some I have some interesting trivia that I discovered today. So I, what I did in preparation for this episode is went back to the drafts of both of these scripts uh, for both of these episodes. And um, the working title for this episode was Making Friends. No. Which I, think is, they, I think they made a good choice calling it Does It Bite? <laughs> I think they made a very, very good choice. So you can see that what's interesting, you can see the refinement that these scripts went through. Uh, 100%. And what else? It aired on the same day that Joe Raposo passed away in February yes. 5th, 1989, which is a very sad coincidence. Yes, Joe um, Raposo, for those who are unaware, did a lot of music for season one and did the theme song. He did. He also did a lot of writing for Sesame Street and several other kids' shows and was very well known. He had Um, quite a career. He had quite a career. And for those of you who have not seen it, I recommend watching uh, the documentary Street Gang about the making of Sesame Street. And you get to hear... Oh, isn't it wonderful? I I bought it instantly after I saw it because I was like, oh. And there's a lovely, lovely quote from Joe Raposo about uh, music and childhood. And uh, he... He had a very special philosophy, I think. So he really did. Yeah, it's it's a very one of many touching moments in that documentary. Yeah. So Joe, wherever you are, we love you and thank you for all you contributed. Thank you, um, Joe. Yes. And interestingly, a clip from this episode is used in the Thomas the Tank Engine Explore the Rails exhibit that tours around the states. 
There we go. So not entirely forgotten then in the uh, in the world of Thomas. <laughs> hopefully not. And hopefully again, we we are constantly trying to uh, raise the shining time awareness. <laughs> yes. Yes. So hopefully must. that exhibit. Too, <laughs> hopefully that exhibit does too. Some little kids like, oh, what's that from? And then they you know look it up on YouTube, and the rest is history. Who's the funny conductor man? I have to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that Ringo Starr? Uh, <laughs> I also kind of had a little ponder about some of what some of the morals might be in this episode. I, I mentioned one to sort of don't judge a book by its cover. Don't make your mind up too soon. No, okay. And um, <laughs> I thought of a couple more because it deals a lot with fear, right? So I think one is a good one. Like, it's okay to be afraid. That's a very mm-hmm. normal, natural human emotion for kids and adults alike. And it's having the courage to face your fears even when you're afraid. Um, that I think is another important message. Granted, some situations are definitely not safe, and I think the show is clear uh, with that. You know, for example, when Stacy and the, one of the family specialists says, "Schemer, you should never play with an engine." Mm-hmm. You know, when he starts the so that is clear when when that happens. But I think uh, it also encourages you to say, "Oh, you can move outside your comfort zone." You know, Matt made friends with Harry, and Tanya faced her fear of the little man. Mr. Conductor, who she's like, is he a goblin? <laughs> Which would have been terrifying if he was like, hello, children. Oh my gosh, like, yeah. <laughs> little, little goblin. Or if he changed based on his personality. It's like one time he was like a happy little gnome. And then when he was upset, he was this little goblin running around the station. Oh, uh, yeah. That'd be, yeah, it's, it's like a gremlin situation where he changes at night. <laughs> for those for those script writers that are listening, you know, I uh, I'm I'm available for hire. <laughs> <laughs> He's the man with the ideas around here. I, I, we have plenty more ideas where that came from. <laughs> Don't you worry. Um, can you think of any other uh, morals that stood out to you? In, in, uh, yes. In uh, Don't don't try and fix arcade machines with plastic tools. <laughs> <laughs> Translation: Don't be an idiot. Yeah, exactly. Don't don't take after a schemer, please. <laughs> and I love how his toolbox says, my tools do not touch on the front. Yeah. <laughs> it's those little touches that it's like, it's in a wooden toolbox, but they're plastic. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, man. Oh, and I have to say, I feel like really early on, schemer just threw ideas into the mix. And I know yeah. for a fact that he did a lot of improv and a lot of lines were changed on set. So we're going to see a lot of that as the series went on, which was, as it turns out, irritated some of his uh, co-stars from time to time. <laughs> but he was also a genius, I think. Absolute genius. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So any other uh, final thoughts on this app? Uh, I think this is just, you know, it, it's really, when I think about early episodes of series, when they're just starting, yeah. it tends to go one of two ways. You know, the second episode it can tend to be a little bit mellower. It, maybe it'll give you time just to digest and, you know, get more acquainted with who you met in the first episode. But I appreciate that they didn't do that here because we still do get to know more about who we met the last time. Uh, but they also introduced such a pivotal new character in Schemer. And, yes. you know, I don't think if they had introduced him any later in the series, I think it, there would have been so many missed opportunities I agree, and I think this episode is foundational. I agree, yeah, yeah, 100%. What would you give this episode out of 10? I would give this one 
I'm going to say a solid eight. Um, because I think, again, you know, you've got the introduction of Schemer. You've got more growth from the characters that we saw in the first episode. You get to learn a little bit more about Mr. Conductor's dynamics with, you know, Stacy and the kids. And, you know, yeah. you've got a lot of great humorous moments with with Ringo. And, uh, you know, I think the the thing that does drag it down a little bit for me is, again, this isn't really the fault of of the episode itself. But, you know, just I already know these Thomas stories well. I don't really care to kind of sit through them again at this point. Um and also the the jukebox band song isn't my favorite thing, but uh, it's more than made up for by the fact that, you know, we've got Don't Be Afraid, which is a bop, as the kids are saying these days. So, uh, yeah, I feel comfortable in saying uh, eight out of ten for that reason alone. Yes. And I will say just on the note of uh, Don't Be Afraid, if you are if you have a job interview or something that's kind of freaking you out, throw on that tune have a dance around your apartment, <laughs> your home, and I guarantee you will feel better. Watch the little dude who's afraid of his kitchen utensil friends. And <laughs> it's sure to put a smile on your face. Satisfaction, guaranteed. <laughs> yes. God, I really sound like I'm trying to sell this. Uh, <laughs> great. For me, I, uh, I'm i going with a solid 7.5. I enjoy this mm-hmm. episode. I really like season one. This is not a favorite episode of mine, but it's very solid and it does what it does very well. And it introduces Schemer. It introduces quite a few dynamics, as we've discussed, that become cornerstones of the entire series. So it's really great. It's actually really heartwarming to see the series come into its own. Uh, but yeah, I I, uh, I also realized, too, that I love this series so much in general that I would just be like, everything gets 9, 9.5. So I'm trying to be <laughs> a little more discerning in my ratings. Uh as well i know i'm like oh, i feel bad for giving a 7.5 that being said i still really enjoy this episode yes uh, but absolutely. i i enjoy the next one more even more oh <gasps> oh what a segue <laughs> the following is a paid advertisement for schemers arcade schemers 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 arcade come on down to schemers arcade that's right kids schemer wants all of you to come right down to his world famous arcade located in the left-hand corner of Shining Time Station. And don't forget what Schemer always says. Spend your nickel, spend your nickel, spend them today. Spend your nickel, spend your nickel, and just go away. Schemer, 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 That's right, kids. It's games, 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 games at Schemer's Arcade. You really are Come on down to Schemer's Arcade. Hi, I'm Mike O'Donnell, one of the composers of the original Thomas the Tank Engine theme, and I'm here to tell you that I have released a selection of re-recorded themes and songs from the classic shows in a series of albums called The Engine Themes. These albums include a variety of classic themes and songs from the original TV series, as well as a few new compositions. You can purchase these albums on CD or digital download, as well as posters and pin badges. Have a look online at modmusic.co.uk. And for a special offer for Right on Track listeners, you can use the special code ROT20 for a 20% discount on all digital downloads. 
Be sure to enter the code when making your purchase. Thank you for your support and happy listening. Take care and stay safe. Yes, so we are moving on to our next episode, which is And the Band Played Off. This is the third episode of Season 1. And I will give you all a little rundown of it. And again, if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to go and watch it before watching this. You'll get a bit more out of it. I keep saying watching this. I realize that people are listening to it, but (laughs) it's a visual experience too. You're watching episodes, you know, listen to the podcast. Watch the episode, listen to the podcast. Thank you. Good night. Do it at the same time, even if you're good at multitasking. (gasps) Multitasking. We love to see it. I am not good at that. So you you give it a go. (laughs) Uh, So this episode... I'm going to just kind of give a brief summary. So basically a new train is coming to shining time station. Uh, We find out right at the beginning uh, via a phone call from JB King. It's the first time we hear from him, I believe. And Stacy gets very, very excited. One might say a bit overexcited. uh, And she ends up making some mistakes with the schedule. She thinks she has it all in her brain. She forgets to write it down and realizes that it is not in her brain. So with the help of her friends and a little help from Mr. C, she's able to put up the correct schedule. It turns out Mr. C has written it down on a tiny piece of paper, (laughs) which is very helpful. And I believe this is also the first time where she calls him Mr. C. I, yeah, I believe in the beginning of the episode, which I always love that abbreviation. Again, it just shows like people getting cozy in another world. So it makes that world more real. So she says, like, who's on the phone, Mr. C? And he's like, it's the head office. Uh, And then there is a passenger who is initially impacted by these schedule mistakes. He thinks he's missed his train. Schemer encourages him to complain in a very scheming way, as per usual. It turns out (laughs) this particular passenger is able to take the new train that sort of set this whole episode into motion, pun intended, Uh, And he is able to join in with the station staff in welcoming the passengers of the new train with some music because it turns out this man is a one-man band who was going to a one-man band convention in Mount Careful and was apparently the only participant. And I love that line. (laughs) It was very, very charming. And that line is... I do love that they snuck that in. Yeah, that was a clever line. That line line was originally suggested by Ron Slaby. So credit to Ron, because I looked in in reading through the script that he had originally suggested that would be kind of funny. And then the writers took it and and fine-tuned it. And I thought that was a very nice touch. Because it made me laugh as a kid, too. Another another wonderful contribution from Dr. Slaby. Yeah, it is. Yes, thank you, Dr. Slaby. And it's really neat to see that whole that whole process uh, and and good, you know, good writers doing their work, good editors doing their work. Uh, for those who aren't aware again, Ron Slaby was the series advisor who uh, basically edited all the scripts to make sure that they were appropriate for kids and from his particular uh, position as a child psychologist and his perspe- unique perspective on children's points of view. Yes, so that is our little summary of the band played off. And uh, I quite enjoy this episode, as I hinted at before. I really enjoy, I don't know about you, Mike, but I enjoy episodes where the station starts empty. Mm -hmm. There's something about it that I always found, I don't know, just cool as a kid. I'm like, oh, no one's there. What's going to happen? And then we hear the phone ringing (laughs) and Mr. C picking it up. How he picked up that phone, I have no idea. He must be incredibly strong. Because as somebody who has one of those candlestick phones, it is those are made out of metal and those receivers are very heavy. 
So either Mr. C was like <laughs> pumping it up WWE style, uh, or he had a bit of help. <laughs> you know, it's funny because there will be a later episode where Ringo tells uh, tells the kids he can't make muscles out of magic, but I think he might have been lying. I think he had to use some muscles to get that phone off the receiver. I think he was lying. I think sometimes Mr. C is like, you can't do that with magic, but he can. He just wants the kids to like learn a lesson, quote unquote. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The yeah. Kids are like, oh, <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, what are, what do you think of this ep, my friend? You know what? I, I do like this episode quite a lot because one of the things I always appreciate is when it's not just the kids who are making mistakes. I feel like, you know, as the series goes on, you see it more and more where the de facto thing is just to kind of let the kids be the ones to, you know, make the mistakes or maybe have schemer be the one to make the mistake. Um, but here the mistake is on Stacy. Uh, you know, it's it's her excitement getting the better of her, you know, not taking the time to write down everything, write the new times, figure out what was going on with their usual train. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate that because I think that's a big thing, especially so early on in the series, for kids to see that, you know, it's everyone who can make mistakes, even the adults in your life who you think have all the answers and have it all figured out. Yeah. They'll slip up from time to time, too. And I, I appreciate that they did that so early on. I think it works very well because, you know, it shows you that Stacy doesn't have it all together right away. Yeah. She's still learning how to properly run the station at this point. So I think it's very well done in that regard. That's a great point. And I had written down the exact same point. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it just shows her humanity. And it shows her heart as well. You know, she really cares about the station. The station meant a lot to her grandmother and her grandmother meant a lot to her. So she really wants it to succeed, but she also gets overexcited. Like, I mean, how many of us have done that before? We've gotten really excited about something and forgotten to sort of, you know, cross our T's and dot our I's. Uh, And then all of a sudden, you know, we're like, whoops. Oh, okay. Well, I should have been, you know, taking care of my, you know, this and this. So it's, it's great. And Stacy plays it well because, we not only get to see her fumble with forgetting the schedule, but also the impact of it affecting a passenger who then complains and she worries about, you know, her reputation. Uh, so we also get to see not only the vulnerability of Stacy, but the vulnerability of Shining Time Station, that if it doesn't perform well, or if it does perform well, that is rewarded or, you know, or things are taken away. They got a new train because they've been doing well. But if they aren't doing well, they're going to receive less trains. Exactly. Which is intense. I mean, it's a little, <laughs> I feel like, you know, that's, those stakes are taken away in season one and two, or se- sorry, seasons two and three. But in the first one, it's, there's a lot to lose and you really feel it. Yeah. There is this constant looming threat of like, this whole thing could go under very quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and J.B. King is, is similar to Mara Flockdinger, way more edgy right off the bat. And then he softens a lot. Oh, not softens a lot, but softens yeah. a bit. In season two. Yeah, he de- he definitely becomes a little bit more comical in series two and three. Yep. But I really like that uh, the kind of the first introduction of J.B. King is you don't even see him. You just hear him over the phone <laughs> in this episode. It's a smart idea. Yeah, it, it kind of gives you the idea of like, OK, well, these are the big wigs and, yeah. you know, they don't have time to come down to a little station like this. But then <laughs> when he does come down, boy, does he make his presence known. Yeah. And it almost, you're right. It builds the suspense. And it's sort of funny because you basically just picture Mart Mart Halswit, who played JB King, just having to pop into the recording studio to do his, to record his, you know, his speech. And that's it. 
<laughs> yeah. Didn't even have to go on yeah, camera. Yeah, exactly. No makeup, no nothing. I want to speak with Stacy Jones. Is she there? You could if she were, but I'm afraid she's not. Perhaps you'd like to leave a message with me. This is the main office of the Indian Valley Railroad with a very important message. Yes, sir. What may I do for you? A new train will be stopping at your station today. It's the local train from Leaky Park. A new train? That is important news. Ooh. Who's on the phone, Mr. C? It's the main office. Hello? Stacy Jones speaking. A new train will arrive here? Oh, I knew it. I knew our work would bring this station back to life. Oh, all our hard work has paid off. So, uh, easy job. Easy job. And Mark Halswit is very well known for his uh, presence on soap operas. Yes, he's a, he's, I mean, obviously in Shining Time, but elsewhere, he, he's a phenomenal actor. Yes. Yeah, he's a really, he's a great guy. He's one person I hope to interview, but he was interviewed not too long ago um, for a soap opera thing, but he's, he's getting up there now. Um, he is. He's, he's got quite the beard last that I saw on, on him now. He's, uh, you know, I think he was doing some theater work recently. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I was like, last... is that or COVID beard? <laughs> uh, one of the two. Yeah, yeah. Either way, he's got he's got a pretty impressive beard on him nowadays. He does. He does. Oh, I have I have another note down here. We get to hear Ringo yodeling. Um, oh I, yes, yodeling with me. And I have to say a shout out to the Right on Track, the original Right on Track gang, because they had this Ringo sings segment for whenever Ringo sang in a Thomas episode. But he does have several moments where he sings in Shining Time episodes, and this is one. He sure does. Brief, We're going to continue sweet. the tradition. <laughs> oh, so yes, that is our. I guess that. Well, is that the first one? Uh yeah, I think that's the first time he yeah, sings so on Ringo Shining sings Time. Count. This is our first one we've got, so we got to keep track of. The Add other it to ones. the tally, boys. Yes, and cue the <laughs> cue the Ringo singing. Thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, what else? Also, the first time we get to see the beloved schedule board. Yes, the iconic schedule board yes. makes its debut here. I love, and I just, I love how he's like, oh, I found it under a pile of things. Isn't it a beauty, Harry? She says, and it's very, you know, they found something old and they're putting it back to use. And, you know, it's it's quite sweet. And I, I plan to, now that I have a few of the original name boards, I'm planning to do a, a, a full replica of that board um, because it actually won't be that difficult now that we can extrapolate from those measurements. So stay tuned. Oh, the, but that's something. the wonders of prop recreation. <laughs> I know. And it's something I, it was a prop that I hope to find. And I found sort of, you know, the next best thing bits of it. So I'm going to, yeah, because I think it was probably tossed. So, but it was one of my, I, I really like it. It's one of those quintessential shining time pieces and it's used throughout the entire series. The station names change. Um, as we talked a bit about, they change throughout. So they, they changed in season two. And I believe maybe some change in season three. I can't recall. But definitely season two. It's definitely, it, it adds to the overall aesthetic of Shining Time, which is unparalleled. <laughs> yes, good choice of word. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, what do you think about the Thomas stories? We've got Thomas's train and um, uh, Thomas and the Trucks. Yes, we have two uh, two very big episodes. And, and these ones, again, much like with uh, the choice of the Henry stories for Does It Bite?, uh, these ones play very well into the theme of uh, impatience or, you know, getting a little overexcited. Yes. Uh, these are 
really great stories. I've always had a big soft spot for Thomas's train. Oh. I know a lot of people kind of they lump it together with Thomas and the guard. And they say, well, it's it's not all that exciting, but I don't know. I just I really like the simpler aspect of it, and uh, you know, it's it's just it's great to see the visual of Thomas just blissfully unaware that he's not actually pulling a train down the main line. Uh, he's just going along his merry way and then has the realization finally that he's made a pretty big fool of himself. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like this one. Thomas and the trucks too. I mean, that's, you know, a classic story. Uh, I'm, I'm sure most people know that one by now pretty well. I feel like that's one that's kind of more in the public conscience too, is just, yeah. you know, with how, how phenomenal the score is and mm-hmm. how how well done the sort of runaway sequence is too. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really like these ones. enjoy them too i mean i've really i'm a huge season one season two buff for those who don't Mm -hmm. who aren't aware so any stories that have thomas as a central character and that stick so close to the railway series stories are very near and dear to my heart i am more of a fan of thomas and the trucks in this instance just because i find uh i do enjoy thomas's train and it's quite sweet but as a kid i found the repetitiveness of like knowing that story already and watching it again, I, I, I mm-hmm. it, the watchability wasn't there as much for me as Thomas and the trucks, I think because you get a bit of excitement with the chase. Uh, but you also get an interesting interaction with him and Edward and uh, that controller at the end and the score, like you said. Um, yeah. So I, I would say I prefer that one, but I think both of them tie really well into the episode. They're Welch chosen. And, and because we know now, now that I have, some more of the script material that they basically took the Thomas stories, teased out the morals, paired them together, and then built an episode around them. Uh, that seems to be how they how they sort of went about doing Shining Time Station. Um, so that may be partly why I think, especially in the first season, that the episodes are so well integrated into the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think in other maybe they sort of come up, came up with the story ideas and then sort of had to shoehorn in some episodes, including ones, including Thomas episodes they had actually used already. But uh, I enjoy, I also enjoy the lead in and the end to Thomas and the trucks where it's really, he's telling it to cheer up Stacy. And then she's like, thanks for the story. It was just what I needed. It really warms my heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice when, when Mr. Conductor tells the stories to the adults sometimes yeah. rather than to, to just the kids and yeah, yeah and I, I gotta say i one thing i appreciate is you know for series one of shining time they're going in pretty much the same episode order up to a certain point of you know how season one of thomas was broadcast and produced mm-hmm. um so a byproduct of that is with thomas and the trucks being your second story of this episode it kind of leaves things on a cliffhanger because you know thomas hasn't yet redeemed himself from that so 
it, it kind of leaves the the viewers wondering like well how does he get over this how does he you know come around to show that he actually is useful mm-hmm. well gotta tune in for the next shining time episode to find <laughs> out <laughs> exactly exactly and and it it works i think it works well i feel so bad the passenger mrs train is going to complain to the railroad people get impatient people complain Engines get impatient. Engines complain. It happens to you, and it happens to Thomas. So what happened to Thomas? Very well, I will tell you. Please do. All right, let's go. I also enjoy... uh, I noticed another little connection between Ringo and the jukebox band. So we have She'll Be Coming Around the Mountain as the song this and and right before Ringo was practicing his mountain climbing yes he was so I was like mountain mountain climbing I thought that was an interesting little <laughs> parallel uh, what do you think of the song Mike uh, I think it's fantastic it's it's Me definitely it, it's so I love when the the jukebox band takes these songs that you've kind of known since your childhood and they just turn it into this like high energy driving kind of song like it's it's just really good <laughs> they, they kind of play the crap out of it and i'm here for they it do. <laughs> they, they they're do they're like it's let's so go good. guys and they, like they just give her c7 c7 is pure railroad pure railroad a one a two a three hit it she'll be coming round the mountain when she comes she'll be remember somebody when somebody was doing this article on shine time station and they said there's this there's this jukebox band that plays pumped up versions of pop goes the weasel and <laughs> that's a great way of <laughs> describing it because they do take these normal songs and then they make them like yeehaw and they all take turns and sing little parts uh and it's it's a very rousing song that's what i had down yeah rousing is is the perfect word for it i would say yeah. for sure Makes you want to join in and probably makes the kids sort of bop along, slap, slap along. Um, I, again, it's also, I, it's one of the renditions that makes me go like, oh, it's over when it finishes. I know. <laughs> I yeah. feel like it's just like hitting its stride. And I'm like, no, keep going. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's quite fun. And again, along with how they included really child, um, child-friendly songs, they also were really careful to include activities in every episode early on Mm -hmm. and so for this we have the making of the musical instruments for the band which these are cool ideas i have to say when i saw them on account i'm like that's rad i just need to get like two sort of tin you know tin foil pans and put a couple bolts and all of a sudden i stick them together and tape them and then i've got a little um you know rattler you know shaker tambourine whatever it's cool 
it's it's very resourceful yeah you know it's interesting that you point that out i hadn't actually thought about it but there are so many times during series one where you you see the kids doing activities yeah and that is entirely intentional and i as a kid i was aware of that because i always wanted to do the activities they were doing but it was a way to draw in the kids as viewers and it is such a great idea because not only does it entice the kids but of course the parents are hopefully watching or aware and the kids are going to have to ask for help so then it becomes a family activity as well which yeah could, it's, you know, it's be very nice and and you know what that's kind of reinforced by the fact that they're making the instruments with harry yeah exactly and they're using yeah. things from his workshop so he's willing even though he has important railway stuff to do and you know he has to fix things he's willing to oh i've got a f- few minutes let's make some stuff let's see let me see what we have here you know and he looks around and he's like oh this could work and this you know <laughs> it's really i like it it really warms my heart actually yeah further continuing that harry is not grumpy all the time and he, he <laughs> has a heart of gold in there he yeah he is he is grumpy but he's also golden he's a beautiful mixture he really is too uh what else do we see in this in terms of songs and segments um we get the learn from your mistakes song from the picture machine which is made by the classic shining time method of piecing together public domain cartoons <laughs> that are sort of random but seemingly linked by a common theme and uh Somehow. i don't know about you but i always get that song stuck on my head yeah you know it's a catchy song but i gotta say I, you don't like I, it the vocals don't do it for me <laughs> <laughs> i noticed that vocals uh you're very attuned to vocals yeah yeah i'm a bit of a music nerd so i mean no, you know great. i can appreciate a good melody but uh yeah, is it the chipmunks like the, the learn from your mistakes that kind of thing it's, you don't it's like? that and it's i think it's the main vocal too it just it sounds like i don't know it feels like it feels like you're being sung to through like a like a tube or something like that you know yeah, almost like he's plugging his <laughs> nose it's it is very now that i think about it, it's an extremely unusual way of singing from your mistake doing wrong is not so bad when it's not a thing you plan just be real careful every day and each day will turn out grand be sure where you land before you leave you don't want to be yeah very very congested I would say. <laughs> so, for all those listeners out there, we are going to have Mike himself do a rendition of <laughs> "Learn from Your oh, Mistakes," yeah. and it will be packaged and released next week. Tune in. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome in advance, everybody. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you're secretly a really good singer. So I. Uh, oh, do you, you do. Hey, I know you play, but do you sing too? Uh, from time to time, but uh, uh. The, the, the singing voice hasn't been used for quite some time, so I might have to okay. I have to dust off the old pipes if we're going to be doing some covers around here. Okay, well, I feel like I feel like if the listeners really ask for it, Mike and I will do a collaboration. Um, yeah, where we will either, if there's like... enough demand, we can make <laughs> it happen. Because I love singing, I will happily like sing and bop along. Um, it may not sound perfect, but uh, you know, it it it'll be fun. It's the heart that counts, my friend. It is the heart that counts. Um, <laughs> I can't actually sing, but it's just been a while. Um, we also have a drum solo segment in this, which is interesting, given um, Ringo's obvious background as the drummer for the Beatles. 
And I do like that they didn't have Ringo do it. I like that they mm -hmm. had somebody else do it and Ringo just sort of say, you can do it on a sidewalk, on a building, on a rail, you know, whatever. And they're like, what? <laughs> instruments? Splendid. I'm quite an old hand at musical instruments myself, you know. I don't know if they sound as good as instruments you can buy in a store. It's all in how you play them. What you need is a little rhythm. Why, with a simple pair of drumsticks, you can make music on a building, on the sidewalk, on the railings. On a sidewalk? On a building? Absolutely. I'll show you. Look over there at the Anything Tunnel. Yeah, I, I, I do appreciate that they didn't... Because, you know, they do let him do some form of drumming later on in season one. But they do. I appreciate that they just kind of, you know, they had him mention it. It's sort of like a clever wink to the parents watching because they know totally. who he is. Yeah. So, and and I love the little touch at the end where he's like, we're all born with our own instruments too. Our voices. Mama, 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 I know. I know. <laughs> and Mama Mama Moo is so random. <laughs> In that classic Ringo timber of his. Oh, Ringo. Oh, I guess that would technically be the second instance of Ringo Sings. Look at the double whammy Mama, in this episode, Mama, guys. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, I also know that he got asked a lot asked a lot of interviews. Oh, you know, you're going to sing in the show and drum. And he's like, no, no. So I really appreciate that they made Mr. Conductor his own being and not just like a version of Ringo Starr from the Beatles. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because I think that just made... I think that respected the world, the universe of the show a bit more doing that. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. For sure. And just a little uh, note on Mr. C and Harry. I enjoy Harry's cynicism in this episode around Mr. Conductor. Like, oh, the little guy lives in the wall. I forgot. Um, you know, and then and then later on when the band's playing off, as it does, he's standing there and finds the little tiny paper that mr c wrote the schedule and says little guy that lives in the wall <laughs> and then mr c shows up behind him and is laughing and mirroring him Very sort clever. of mocking him yeah, yeah yeah you hear mr c's theme playing at the end which i like as well <laughs> and that was a a good a good touch and also nice that the jukebox band joined in too yeah i agree yeah it's, yeah. it's nice that they had the jukebox band kick in at the yeah. end there and because you have i think you have um is it uh um jason uh who plays matt is on stacy's shoulders at the I end think so yeah his little honking horn and i i heard throughout the series that um they became quite close uh dd and and jason when they were filming yeah so i think that's kind of sweet it does make sense it does make sense i mean you spend think about it you spend all those days shooting together i mean mind you they shot it relatively quickly but it was the first time doing it and i think it was mostly over the course of a summer i believe uh, I believe in 88. Yes. Yeah, so a bit of trivia for you all. Uh, we have a one man band in this and Rick told a really funny story about a one man band who actually couldn't play his instruments. And I believe it's from <laughs> this episode. He sold the producer so well in being a one man band, but actually didn't know how to play any of the instruments. And then when time came, they just sort of like, fudged it along and had somebody sort of like dub over him a little bit. I think this was the guy. 
Was he really? <laughs> I think so. And guess, okay, take a guess as to what his name is in the script. This passenger, this disgruntled passenger turned one man band. Uh, I mean, I guess in the script is his name disgruntled passenger. No, but that's a very good guess. Oh, well, I it is in fact Spike. Spike? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, that's Spike. Don't, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. But actually, co- coincidentally, Spike is the name of uh, our family's champion rooster when we were growing up. Um, hey, he was a very, a very regal, good-looking fellow who unfortunately turned very violent and started attacking the dog and us, etc. Oh. So we had to off with his head. But he was very beautiful for the time that he was with us. That's the story of Spike. But uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> <laughs> Spike did not get to live up to his one-man band potential like his his actor brother in this episode. Sadly, no, although he could crow um, worth a damn. So, oh, um, They could have made a two-man band. <laughs> but yeah, Spike, so random. Um, That's got to be like a crew joke of some sort. There's got to be some substance behind I, that. There must be. There must be. And a really random note. I'm going to quiz you, though, Mike, and test your music knowledge because I know you're a bit of a music man. Oh, Do you boy, remember that go. scene when Stacy is looking for the schedule board and she opens the box and yes, and that music comes out and she says, sorry, wrong carton. Yep. What few bars of what song is played from that box? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, this is really hard. Oh, I would gosh. never guess it. I'm trying to rack my brain. I feel like it's going to be some sort of like a, like a jazz standard. Uh, uh, you give up? You know what? I I give up. It is take the A train. Oh come on! <laughs> That's what it says in the script, so I'm gonna believe that. But I, I mean, does it sound like take the A train at all? A few bars. Yeah. Now now that I think about it, yeah, it does. Yeah. So interesting. And then oh, this is the cool man. thing about scripts is because. You hear those little, you you see those little things, and you also get to read dialogue that you never understood. So there's some things that Harry said, like um, "Hold your steam this time, keep calm." I didn't, I didn't know what he was <laughs> saying. I heard him say "keep calm," but I was like, "Hold your steam." Um, yeah. Like I am calm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of fun. Um, do you have any uh, trivia? Uh, I I don't think I have any any trivia per se from this one. Uh, I just I really like uh, the random bit of Ringo going mountain climbing. Uh, that's <laughs> that's probably my favorite little interjection that they put in here for his character, and that when uh, when he gives Stacy the little schedule he's made, she goes, "Oh, thank you. Is there anything I can do for you?" He goes, "Do you have a map of Mount Everest?" <laughs> <laughs> No, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I have a natural. I have a knack for directions. <laughs> I know. Oh man, just something it, so wholesome about it. And it also has a very similar flavor of. Do you have a number three hex key? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Just so random, and she's like, "No, sorry." <laughs> oh, it's so good. And then how he actually has like a little climbing spike thing. I don't know what those are called. Yeah, yeah. He's got the little. Uh, it's like a yeah. like a. It's not like a grappling hook, is it? That I'm thinking of something like that. I wouldn't even know. Um, Professional mountain climbers, if you if you can, please okay. leave a comment. What is it? Yes, we are very eager to hear. Uh, so we're going to move to the morals here. 
Uh, one I have written down here is try not to get too carried away and neglect your responsibilities, which is one we already kind of touched on that happens with Stacy, but we also get a bit of compassion. Um, <laughs> Harry says to the kids, no one likes to be chewed out. That was also one I never understood, but I'm like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, the language, you know, is just different. It's different than if it was to be a kid's show now. It's kind of funny. Very um, but much they, so, yeah. But they show her compassion and they decide to make the band for her. So it's really, it's nice, you know. It's like, yeah, she screwed up and we love her. And also that you can rely on your friends for help too. Because Mr. C, you know, it's a very, it's kind of a convenient backup. I will say that he wrote down the whole schedule in anticipation, but we already saw him mm-hmm. writing. So, but you, you know, you can count on your friends. I think sometimes when you have a bit of a blunder and they can back you up and say, oh, you know, I got a copy of that. And you're like, oh, thank God. You just saved my, you know, uh, you know what? <laughs> my, my, my job in this case. My job. Yes. I know. I'm, tr- I'm trying to keep it relatively PG. But sometimes I want to swear, but I will not. As there are maybe kids listening to this, and we welcome all kids. Um, do you have any other morals that kind of stand out for you? Uh, y- you know what? Going off that theme of, you know, your friends always have your back, it, it kind of plays into the whole thing with Harry and the kids making instruments to cheer Stacy up, too. That's a very good point. Yeah, your your friends will, you know, be there for your lowest points, and they'll be there at your high points to help celebrate with you. They will. And... Don't be afraid to share your low points with your friends as well. Because that's, I mean, that's not a message here necessarily, but it's just something important to keep in mind, especially as we're still in a difficult time, uh, pandemic-wise and such. Exactly. But it's it's a nice it's a nice gesture. And, and you know, we, we see that the mistakes happen at Shining Time. They usually have a way of working out at the end. <laughs> but we also learn that, yes. you know, your mistakes can have consequences. Uh, and, you know... People, I think, in the, in the show validate that. And we also have the passenger apologize as well. He's like, oh, I shouldn't have complained. I shouldn't have been so quick to sort of criticize and get angry, even though, he, let's face it, he was being egged on by Schemer. Very true. <laughs> Who loves any yeah. excuse to <laughs> be a bit of a, you know what, disturber? Any excuse to swing things in his favor and potentially take over the whole station. <laughs> yeah. Yes, which gets very high stakes as the episodes go on. But that is... My friends, as they say, another story. Hi, I'm Ken Bianco Jr. from Train World, where we have the greatest selection of model trains and train sets. We also are proud to carry Bachman's full line of Thomas & Friends products. With a large variety of different brands and scales, we have the best items for your model train collection. You can find Train World on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can see our latest products and even be invited to all our events like Thomas Tuesdays. Visit TrainWorld.com today to find your next addition to your model railroad journey. So, let's conclude with some ratings here. Um, I came at this one with an 8.5. I... Enjoy this episode, like I said, a bit more than the previous one. I feel like the show's really starting to hit its stride. We're mm-hmm. getting a nice rhythm, and I find now from here on the episodes flow really well into one another. Um, and we have passengers coming and going and lessons to be learned and more stories and more connections, relationship building amongst the cast. Yeah, so it's it's great. What about you, my friend? Yeah, you know, I'm I I would agree with you there. I I would give this one an eight point five as well. I do like it slightly more than does it bite. 
Uh, I think the integration of the Thomas stories works really well here. I like the variety that we see here. We get Ringo telling the story to the kids, and then we get him telling a story to Stacy and the kids. And, you know, you, you just see a lot of different character interaction. And surprisingly, you know, there's very little schemer in this episode, but you yeah, don't I was thinking even, that. Yeah, you, you see him briefly, but I just I think it's really neat how even without him, you know, having such a big presence in the last episode, it, yeah. it kind of feels like it would have been crowded if he had any more screen time than he did. So I appreciate I so. that they use this episode to kind of hone in on not only, you know, some of Stacy's initial shortcomings, but also showing how in spite of those shortcomings, everyone in the station can seemingly pull together and, and really help each other out. So I, I think it's a really fantastic episode overall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. We'd also be very curious to hear your thoughts about these episodes, uh, whether you are watching them for the first time in that, you know, sort of exciting way, or if you grew up with them, please let us know your thoughts. And we, uh, we just, you know, we love that you, you know, are joining us for this little journey that we're undertaking. Um, we will be back for episode seven next time, and we will be looking at the two next episodes of season one, Pitching In and Helping Out, and Show and Yell. Yes, indeed. We are very excited to continue this uh, this little review train of ours rolling down the tracks. Thank you so <laughs> yes. much for joining us. We hope you are enjoying the magic of Shining Time as much as we are enjoying revisiting it. Yes. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself, Mike. <laughs> English and... major at work. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Can you tell we're both majors? <laughs> anyway, we love you guys. We will talk to you very soon. I have been Adrian. I have been Mike. It's been a blast. We will see you guys very soon. See you next time on Time to Shine. Bye, everybody. Ta ta. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, folks. Yeah.